Hello, and welcome to Metachemistry. That's right, you heard correctly, Metachemistry is back. For those of you interested in the game of Infinity and who like listening to podcasts, and I'm assuming that's all of you, otherwise why would you be listening, but who perhaps have only been playing the game relatively recently, you may not be familiar with what I'm talking about. Let me tell you the tale of Metachemistry. Born in the shadows of the Rocky Mountains, tempered in the fires of Denver, Colorado gaming meta, two Infinity gamers set out to blaze a trail through what at the time was a podcasting wilderness. With a penchant for creative, out-of-the-box thinking, and a streamlined, almost Spartan aesthetic, Dexter Schiller and Nathan Berg carved out a unique place in the community with their focus on incisive commentary and a tournament-focused gameplay. Alas, the flame that burns twice as bright burns half as long. And Metachemistry in its first iteration, though outsized in its influence, was short-lived in its tenure, only putting out a handful of episodes before going silent. For some time afterwards, the hopeful question would often get asked on forum posts and message boards alike, when are we going to get another episode? All that would come back was silence. Months turned into years, memory turned into myth, myth to legend, now, when a newcomer inquires as to the best Infinity content out there, the community is always quick to rattle off some of the current stable of excellent podcast options. But occasionally, one of the veterans will mention, you know, there was this one podcast back in the day called Metachemistry. It wasn't on for very long, but it taught me how to think about playing the game. And those in the know will grunt and nod their head in agreement. Now, with the advent of a new edition of Infinity the Game shaking up local metas, and with new opportunities to be challenged, to learn and grow, metachemistry returns. Listen, no one here thinks that we can recreate the magic that was present in those handful of episodes. We can't go back. We must move forward. This is a different collection of personalities, experiences, and playstyles. It will produce new and different insights, but we must give credit where credit is due. Though the format and the structure of this iteration of Metachemistry will be different than what came before, the focus on concise episodes that explore high-level ITS play that will elevate your game will always remain. So I say, hello, and welcome to Metachemistry. This is episode one, where we will be examining the impact of the recent change in N4 that limits list building to 15 order generating troops. But before we do that, let's briefly introduce the members of the team. And I think it's only apropos to begin with the only founding member of the podcast still present, Nathan. Nathan, can you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your gaming experience in particular as it relates to Infinity? Thanks for that, Andrew. I had no idea that that was coming at the beginning of this. Anyway, I am Nathan Berg. I have been playing Infinity since approximately 2012. I played a little bit of N1 before that, but it was a really rough game. But there was just one day I went back into a comic book store and actually Dexter was there along with Greg Strom, who you may recognize from other podcasts. And he got me playing again. I really haven't gone back since. I've taken a few breaks, a few hiatuses from the game. But in the end, I love the mission style. And I love the way you play and the way you build and the way this game requires tactical thinking on the table. That's my story. And how about you, Ian? You want to jump in there and share a little bit about your gaming experience with Infinity? Absolutely. My name is Ian. I've been playing Infinity on and off for about six years. I started towards the tail end of N2. 
it was a rough go. I didn't super care for it. But with N3 and the change in the rule set and smoothing a lot of it out, that got me back in, as well as the release of U.S. Ariadna. I'd always been fascinated with Ariadna, and that was the army that really brought me in, if only because the models were so fantastic. And then the game itself really grabbed me. And now here we are moving into N4, and it is as good as it's ever been, in my opinion. And we've been doing a lot of different stuff with the game, playing a lot of the missions, trying to work out the kinks and how things interact with each other. And I think it's really fantastic. The 15 order limit that we're going to talk about is a big part of that. And I think it's going to be great moving forward. So sweet. I was going to share that I always have felt with you guys like I'm the newbie. I don't have a history. My name is Andrew Tybert, by the way, and I don't have a long history with gaming, tabletop gaming of any kind. I would almost say that Infinity is my first experience. I dabbled around in the hobby area of things with Warhammer Fantasy, but Infinity was the really the first time I found a community of players who played the game and fell in love with the idea that I feel like this game in particular rewards good decision making. So we talk a lot about how you can come to a game with a general strategy, list build, how that list functions and synergizes with itself and engages the mission. But really once the dice start rolling, you have to make good decisions throughout if you're going to be successful. And I really find that style of play rewarding. And so I have kind of drunk the Kool-Aid. I started Infinity right around the time of Human Sphere N3 and got connected with Nate and other members of the Denver Meta and really haven't looked back. Now, I was just going to ask you this to both of you, whereas I don't have a broad experience with tabletop wargaming, you two are both probably the most extensive players of games in the tabletop realm that I've ever met and encountered. In our group, maybe. Yes. But I was wondering, why do you keep coming back to Infinity? What is it about this game that keeps you engaged? For me, it's the way the game is built. It's built around completing missions where every other game, the missions are just kind of a side effect or an afterthought. In most games, you build a list, you build a nice list that performs well for you, and then there are objectives on the table that you do. In Infinity, if you just build the best possible synergizing kill list, it's not going to win you a lot of the missions. It, it may do okay, but it's not going to be the ideal choice for every mission. So building with... Doctors and engineers and specialists in mind, I think that that's a very interesting way to approach a game where it feels like it's built from the missions up rather than built from the stompy units down. And then obviously, the models have always been some of the best science fiction, like not grim dark science fiction models. And when they went to that fully digital sculpt, easier to build, they're the best models you can get. You cannot get better models than Infinity models. And I'm mostly a painter. Like I play competitively, I'll play, I'll try and play my best, but I'm a painter at heart. Hobbying and painting is why I continue in this hobby of ours. Playing is fun and it's a great social interaction, but the painting has always been more important to me. So then anything that has incredible models is going to always bring me back. What Nathan has just said about the models and the mission style and the list construction, part of what keeps bringing me back to Infinity is how all that comes together to create a very interesting tactic game that you really have to focus on in order to be successful. In many other systems, you create a list and you just go kill things and the mission is an afterthought. You're watching it perform 
right? Like you might be throwing dice, but you're watching it perform. Absolutely. And for me, that became very boring. And it didn't matter how cool the models were outside of, you know, a painting and hobbying perspective. It wasn't enough for, for me to get those games to the table anymore because I was just bored with that format. And then you bring Infinity in and you have to build to a mission and you have to do all these things to be successful. And it boils down to a game where I can play at a very high competitive tournament mindset and at the end of the day it's still a gentleman's game even when both players are doing that which says a lot about the community that's involved here whereas in many other games the community tends toward especially in the tournament and competitive scenes a lot of toxicity and i'm just not interested in that kind of behavior anymore and it's something that i rarely encounter within the infinity community when the Colorado kind of meta started coming together, I think it was really a haven for people who were escaping the toxicity of certain other games or certain other games communities, not necessarily their game, but their community. And there was a lot of backlash at certain companies and everyone was just looking for something that would be fun and not poison your environment. So a lot of us came to this from those other games. I know Andrew's new and he hasn't played any of the other games, but I hear it a lot from other metas that someone started an Infinity community hearing about how great these infinity communities are and then building that community around the way you want to play and the way you want to be treated at a table is kind of how we do it that's to me is super super interesting outside of the gameplay is that the community is so great Part of what I would argue produces or helps promote that style of play is actually our tournament system. Maybe not the rules in particular, but when we go and travel to both local tournaments here in the Colorado Meta and in the Southwest larger four state area, there's a promotion of this flavor of gameplay that kind of what I would call a strong culture that you enter in and you are changed and shaped by it as opposed to when you enter in, you change and shape it. If it's a weak culture, it's easy to be changed by outside influences. If it's a strong culture, it changes those outside influences to conform to what it is. And so I really love how my experience of our regionalized gameplay, we all take that same basic approach that Nate, you were articulating. Yeah, I think that I often tell people that we only play competitively and we only play ITS and people from outside the game go, oh, And it's like, no, man, like this is where you want to be because we're going to heighten your game. You're going to have a good time doing it. We have people who don't win games and they still come back every time because it's so much fun to play it. It's a culture of let's have fun while also doing this, while also finding that sharp list and finding that way to pull off those wins. And I think that the community itself drives that. That's excellent. That leads us into my next question, which has to do with there are a number of infinity focused podcasts out there now, unlike when Metachemistry was doing its thing originally. And as we kind of engage in a restart of this podcast, I think it's worth asking the question, why should people listen? If they come in and they tune in to our podcast on a regular basis, what can they be expecting from us? Why listen to us in the first place? Like I said, we all play with a tournament mindset. We prep a lot for tournaments, playing those missions, building those lists. We play even on normal game night when there is normal game night. Obviously, we're going to date this episode by saying there's no game nights, but we play competitively, but we don't play cutthroat. 
I guess, is the thing. So our experience comes from playing ITS. Our experience comes from building, cutting and pasting your list to find that perfect balance to complete that mission that you're doing. I would say that all three of us are veterans of the, at least our meta, which is a fairly large meta. I think we have about 30 people playing. We have a number of Rumble winners among us, and I think we play at a fairly high level. We do pretty well in the big gatherings, and I think that we're a top-tier player may not get as much from us as maybe we would get from them, but I think from kind of a, our level down, I think that we may have some experiences or just an interesting insight that they may find useful, hopefully. I think that's why I would listen. And I would agree with that. When I first started into Infinity, I solely played against a player that was fairly high tier. I played two games a week for a year before I won my first game against him. That's literally my story, and it's against the same guy. Which is awesome. Going through that experience, and then coming out and getting into the wider meta, and my first couple of games... Not that it was a situation of any over-competitiveness or, you know, engaging in a negative behavior, but it, it was a situation where in, now in the wider community that I had, it was like clubbing seals for a minute there because it was just like, oh, this is what like regular people are playing when I've been playing against tournament level. And so our meta is very geared towards the tournament level. And if you're looking to get into that, even if you're casual, and you're looking to up your tactics and stuff, that's what we are going to be discussing a lot of. And getting into that mindset of playing the ITS and honing your skills and bettering yourself. Because not only do you better yourself, but you take that into your wider community and you better your meta as a whole. Yeah, I like that. The idea of the rising tide raises all boats. Yeah, when we have a new player come into the meta and we're like, hey, there's a tournament next weekend, show up. And they're like, I, tournament? I, I can't. I haven't played a single game. You're like, cool, you're going to get three games. We love having brand new players show up and we'll teach you how to play at a tournament because we want you to know that our tournament is literally us getting together. Yeah, there's going to be a tier. There are going to be the veteran players who are going to absolutely stomp you. Learn something from that. Take something away from it and then have a good time. And I'm hoping that this podcast does that for the wider community, that they take something away from it and have a good time. Yes. I love that. Let's transition then to our main topic for tonight. And it has to do with the 15 order generating trooper cap that has been instituted in N4. Now, this has been a broadly discussed topic throughout the community already. And in some ways, I was thinking we just could move right past that. However, I do think that there are some perspectives represented in our podcast that are worth vocalizing. I want to engage that, and there's a number of follow-up questions to this first one. But it seems to me that this tactical window, what was formerly understood as a tactical window game style, this was in N3. It was an exploration of how to address a perceived problem within N3. And like we've already said, we love this game, but it's not without its faults. And I want to ask the question to start. Was there a problem? And if so, what was it? Nate, I think you have some thoughts on this, so I want to throw it to you first. I have been ramming 15 orders down people's throats for like three years. I've been talking to players, tournament winners, anyone who will listen to me about moving it to a 15 order list. 
So do I think that there's a problem? I think the problem is maybe not so much at the upper end of the scale, though we can discuss that too. I think a lot of it is at the lower end of the scale. When you have new to medium tier player coming in, playing a 10 order list, especially they're new playing a 10 order list, and they rock up against 26 orders with Impetuous, it's not fun. It's not enjoyable. Even if you're running you know, 12 or 15 orders, it's not enjoyable when you have a resource that is finite and they have a resource that is, for all intents and purposes, it's infinite for them because they've got orders out of it, especially something like Caledonia where you have the cheap orders and you can convert them to regular. It gives them such an advantage of just, there's a resource I don't even have to track anymore, keeping my orders up. And at first I thought that it was a high tier problem where a top tier players would run into this issue. And I think that maybe at the top tier of play, that's not true anymore. I think that all things being equal, it's probably an issue, but the balance of infinity is so forgiving that I think that a 15 order top tier list versus that 26 order top tier list, there's every chance of either player winning. But if you look at, you know, two completely even players that are completely balanced, almost the same level of play, and one of them's got 26 orders with Impetuous and one of them's got 15 orders, I think that's an imbalance. So I think that there's an issue with it. I think 15 orders is a great way to solve that because because it's just like the 300 points and just like the 6SWC, this 15 slots is a resource that you need to fill and be careful about. So you can't just take 10 crappy guys. You need to decide if you're going to take those Daylami or if you're going to take those Gazi and how many of them or your Taiga. You're going to decide how many you're going to take and hit that 15. But that being said, I did not expect them to make that the official way to play. I kind of thought that they were just going to leave Tactical Window in. But I'm surprised and quite happy that it it's the opposite way where tactical window is the way to play and like a, a free open play is a tournament choice rather. Right. Tactical window has become the norm, the standard. And if we want to deviate from that, we can. There's freedom in that. But we begin with the 15 order, 15 trooper cap. Ian, what do you think? Is there a problem? Was there a problem? I think that there was a bit of a problem, like Nathan has said, with a lot of the high-order lists that especially new players would run up against. As an Ariadna player, I understand the ability to just throw tons of orders into a list and have it be very effective, but I found myself running mostly 14 and 15-order lists when it came down to it. And those end up being a lot of fun, they are efficient, and you avoid having the issues, especially against a newer player, of hitting them with the Caledonian Fun Sponge. You know, it's a resource game that other players can't keep up on. Now, another side effect of the 15 model cap is that a lot of players are now exploring profiles that they never would have looked at before, especially on the cheaper models. A friend of ours has an Ikari list. He loves to use the Yuan Yuans, and he likes to take four of them. And, of course, they're seven, eight, nine points each for the cheap chain rifle ones. Well, now, because he has 15 models, he has to make points up somewhere, and with the other changes, such as direct templates off of shotguns, he's now considering paying the 11 or 14 points to upgrade those Yuan Yuans to a better profile because he'll do the same thing, maybe a little bit more efficient, but the points difference is what he's trying to make up. You still have your cheap guys, but you have to balance it out with some expensive stuff. Now, this makes sense. This is a game. It is a Black Ops team. Having 30 guys on the table isn't a Black Ops team. That's an army. I think the counterpoint to that is they say that, well, that's the op for, that's the team that you're sending your special forces in against. It's just really boring that it's only Hakuslam and Ariadna mostly that are those throwaway troops. 
I think that when you come down to it, being able to play some of those more expensive profiles, bringing those into the game and bringing in some of the more expensive cheap troops, like you said, like bringing a boarding shotgun instead of a chain rifle for that five or six extra points is interesting now, especially like boarding shotguns are just really good right now. So dropping one guy to add a boarding shotgun to the other or, you know, not taking quite so many, it makes it almost like a whole new game. I think that's the main problem a lot of people are having is that it's kind of forcing your hand into a new play style. And there's always going to be pushback on that kind of a thing, whether it's healthy for the game or not. I'm not the final arbitrator of that, but it is forcing you to play a new way. Yeah, that's one of my reads. This wasn't actually that controversial of a change. If you look at some of kind of the anecdotal conversations locally here in Colorado, as well as I don't frequent WGC very much, but I've heard that there were polls that were put out and generally 70, 75% of the community was responding saying in the affirmative that they liked this move. So it wasn't that controversial of a change from that regard. However, it does seem to me that maybe some of the highest level of players who had gotten used to finally tuning their approach to N3 and leveraging all those resources that they were able to generate from those orders, that they'd really dialed in their approach and this has now destabilized a little bit of that approach. That's not to say that they're wrong in any of their critiques of not doing this. I'm not making that argument, but I do see kind of the validity of what you're saying, Nate, that this is in some ways for our hand to reimagine how we think of playing this game. I was reflecting on this question and whether or not there was a problem. And I would have said, if you had asked me this question three months ago, two months ago, I would have said, I don't think that there was a problem. I personally didn't feel at a disadvantage when I would be playing against someone who was running a 20 order, 25 order list. But I had an experience during the summer while the pandemic was kind of starting to close things down. And it was actually with Ian. Ian and I got a game together in, in my garage. And it was in a time period where there weren't any tournaments to be prepping and playing for and preparing for. And so I borrowed a friend of mine, his Caledonian army. He had bought into the Infinity at the same time as me, but had stopped playing a long time ago. And I was like, that's a bunch of good material that's not going to use. I'd like to break out of my own kind of rep petition my own rhythm i'm pretty much an exclusively a alif player okay get off that alif crutch that's right see how the normal people live so i thought hey let's play around with caledonia i put together an 18 order list with six additional impetuous orders coming from four galwegian and a cameronian and mcmurrow and ian and i got to play a game where ian was trying out one of winter forces lists where he put together a limited insertion 10 order he ran the tag exploring what they had to offer with the carhu and the big tag and ian and i are pretty pretty competitive, similar level of play. But I watched what happened in that game and I just saw there was just such an imbalance between a new faction that was newly supported. And of course it was probably more tuned towards N4 than N3. So take that into consideration, but it just seemed very difficult for that Winter Force list to keep up with a faction, a sectorial that has been around forever with a build that wasn't that interesting or unique. I don't know, Ian, if you have any thoughts on that game. And But for me, that kind of cued me into like, yeah, there actually is maybe an issue 
I would say that it highlighted more the disparity between a limited insertion list and the ability to take anything and everything that you want. Where the tactical window comes in is it levels the base of the playing field in terms of options. That's not to say that you can't run limited insertion effectively. It's not to say that you can't get over 15 orders in a list. I've been playing around with some stuff in Ariadna where even with 15 models, I'm still generating 20 five orders with impetuous and tactical awareness and other things and lieutenant orders nco things like that a lot of ways to cheat out extra orders yeah exactly but now it's giving it's more of a high risk reward kind of situation where because i only have 15 guys i may be getting these extra orders but every model eats up more points and generates multiple orders so when i lose them i start losing guys really fast and my order pool dwindles really fast if i start losing my guys so so that's where I think this kind of balances out. The attrition game, it's hard to keep up with the attrition game. Yes, because prior, you take a whole bunch of cheap guys, throw Wallace in, now they're all regular, and they're still impetuous, and you have all these extra orders, and you just start throwing guys willy-nilly, and they die, and you don't care because you have so many of them. That has now changed. You still have to conserve your resources. You still have to play smart and effectively in order to be successful. Okay, here's my last question on this topic for us. And it has to do with the question then that I've heard some people say, fine, even if there is an issue, there had to be a more elegant way to approach that issue. The hard cap seems to some to be an inelegant adjustment. What do you guys have to say to that? As someone who's been just throwing 15 orders at anyone who will who even gets into my line of sight, I think it is elegant. I think a combat group and a half feels right on the table. I think that a lot of it is the wider group of players can't get out and play because of 2020 business. So a lot of the dislike is purely theoretical, I think, at this point. Obviously, there are people still getting games in, if you are doing it safely. But I think the wider group of players as a whole are not getting enough games in to give solid feedback that's not purely theoretical. I would say if you don't like the 20 order list, you don't like the 15 order list and you want to go back to 20 or unlimited, try it. Pretend that this is just the season for it. Do it for this season. It's going to be a real short season, a very clipped season. Play some games with it. Do what you can out of it. See if you can still win the games. See if just changing your outlook on it works. But I think it's a very elegant way of doing it to do combat group and a half rather than two combat groups, which is the standard. Like two combat groups used to be the standard for just about any tournament play some could go over and that was just wildly broken but two combat groups used to be the standard so i think a group and a half is just a very easy way to fix it without changing people's availabilities where they're like i want to take five of these guys if you change availabilities and now you can only take two of certain types of guys that really restricts i think that restricts more because if i want to take these four guys i should still be able to take these four guys just if i can't take five other types of guys to get to that 20 orders i don't know if that makes any sense it also has a hard time scaling like if you're wanting to play at different levels of the game 200 300 400 point games yeah you can always drop the availability on some major problems but dropping the availability on everything as a whole so that you can't spam cheap stuff that feels more inelegant to me if you want to run Dalwegian and wallace as a battery i don't see that as a problem or if you want to run two Quangshi blocks as batteries i don't see that as a problem it's not how you get to the unlimited resource of orders it's that you can to me so i think it's a great solution and i think it's worth you know give it a try give it a shot give it a season and if you really hate it then get at them next season and get them to, to get pull that out you know how about you ian 
I think it is an elegant solution as well. Like I said, it goes right into that leveling the playing field of the expectation of what's going to be on the field. That said, is it really a 15 order cap? Because it's not. You're maybe limited to 15 models, order generating models, but with the prevalence of Impetuous, the addition of things like Lieutenant Level 2, especially combined with NCO, and tactical awareness getting thrown onto many profiles, you end up with the ability to go well over your 15 order limit with the efficiency provided by things like NCO and tactical awareness, especially in link teams, to use those orders effectively. You're getting all this extra going and the ability to use it. So it's not a hard cap. You just have to build your list around it and exploit the options that you have been given to get those orders and their efficiency in. It's not uncommon for a limited insertion list right now to be able to pump out 14 or 15 usable orders or even more out of 10 guys. Yeah, depending on the faction, absolutely. So when I was thinking through this topic, I tried to kick around, like, could they have retweaked point cost, availability, all those different things that we've kind of touching on. And ultimately, what I just kind of came down to was the fact that in Infinity with M3, the primary resource was orders. And that's how you got everything done. And so any good player ultimately will want to, over time, skew towards more orders, more resources, so that they can do more things. I remember having a debate with Nathan early on, where I used to say, I could play and win with 10 orders, and Nathan would would say, yeah, but 15, 16, 17, that's where all the elite players play at. And even though I might have success, I ultimately over time, not because I was overawed with Nathan's wisdom, but basically through experience kind of moved in that direction because I realized, yeah, I can do, sure, I can make 10 orders work, but I can do more with more resources. And so if you don't cap the resources in this regard, then everyone will ultimately always skew towards, like, at least the top tier players will ultimately skew towards wanting to cheat out as many orders as possible if that's the primary resource. Now, one of the things that has come up with the 15 order generating group cap limit is that we're realizing those 15 slots now are a new kind of resource. It's not just orders that you're dealing with, it's your available slots and making tough decisions about what goes into your list. Like that's a new dynamic that we're starting to have to work with and through as we think about gameplay. Do you guys have any interaction with that? I think it's super fun. I think it's really fun to build like the 300 points. You got to be able to fit your list in there. 6SWC, you have to be able to fit your list in there. 15 orders or 15 models, you have to fit your list in there. And a lot of armies don't play 20 slots filled. There are a few that do, obviously, but there are a lot that don't. So scaling back, I play usually about 16 orders. From a competitive standpoint, I think you'll find that most tournaments are won at 16 orders or thereabouts, depending on the faction being played. I've done a lot of research on it, and it's 16 orders seems to be kind of this, this perfect sweet spot. So it's even dialing that. It's only one, but it's dialing that back too. And giving everyone a, this is 15 slots to play with, is just another interesting way of building lists. Yeah, and the fact that you do have this extra limitation on and when you're building your list and you have to think about things and that you have to make some hard choices about what you're going to include in your list. And this is why ITS tournaments have the two-list format. They have forever, but this is highlights that even more that you know your missions going into the tournament. You've had a chance to build your two lists before you go so that you have the best chance to win those missions. You're not going to run necessarily the same list for all three 
four or five games that you're going to play, you're going to have your two. You're going to tailor them to the missions. And that's why this is kind of a really cool thing is forcing those hard decisions that you go, okay, I have these three missions and this list is going to be good for two of them, but it's not going to be good for this third one. So I need a separate list for that. And really exploring your options and expanding your ability as a player to play with different things and be flexible in your playstyle. Okay, with the limited time we have remaining, I want to quickly touch on a couple other topics that are somewhat related to our main topic. And if we take as a given that they were trying to address a particular problem with their 15 order generating troop cap, were there additional changes that happened in N4 that were also attempts to address some problems? For me, I'm thinking things like the denesting of rules, the promotion of maybe underused models that are beautiful and they want to sell but aren't getting played, or maybe even addressing finicky or cumbersome interactions that they wanted to eliminate. Any of those topics that you guys want to engage or address? I think the denesting of the rules is absolutely fantastic. The biggest barrier to entry of this game for a new player is unfortunately the rule set. And especially in N3 with, okay, I have martial arts. Martial arts also gives me courage. It also gives me stealth. But you don't know that looking at martial arts. So how many times have either of you had like a new player that you've been playing and they just keep forgetting that they have courage and you have to keep reminding them. And that's because you're trying to train them. You're trying to be nice but then you end up in a tournament and while generally people are going to be nice about that kind of thing you, there's a few people here and there that are, you forgot you have courage that's your problem not as common in infinity but it does happen so that right there making everything baked into the profiles nothing's nested it is clear at a glance exactly what that model does and that alone decreases the rule set difficulty barrier of entry for new players and that is absolutely fantastic I tend to agree. Going into it, I was like, screw this. ODD is ODD. And martial arts gives you courage. Figure it out, guys. It's not that hard. And then I played a game and I was like, well, this profile is new. I wonder if it has any new abilities. And you look down and they're all there and it says what it does. I'm like, oh, cool. Awesome. This is awesome. This is great. Decreases time referencing the book to figure out what your stuff does, especially in the middle of a game. It's really, really fantastic. I love it. I have seen some new players come in and go, holy sh! how many abilities does this guy have? What does all this do? So you know, there's still going to be some interesting things like they're going to have to look up what camouflage does. But when you have something that says, you know, mimetism minus three, it's easier for them to go, oh, that's minus three to this part, right? And you're like, yeah, that's exactly what it is. So in the end, I think it's easier. I think it may look more daunting because some of those profiles got real large. And I like that they now have the ability to pick and choose what pieces of those original skills would get like martial arts was always stealth and courage and so there's tags with stealth and that doesn't make much sense so now a lot of those tags have lost stealth they still have you know either camouflage or martial arts but they don't have the stealth anymore that is interesting to me there's a little more minutia that you can separate profiles with by having these nested rules or you can do interesting things like burst plus two and it's just there in the profile rather than some you know level two of a skill you can just add right into the profile what you want to do basically the way that upgrade profiles used to be like you have this hacking program and it says you know upgrade lightning so they were able to add like some interesting new thing to just that one profile and now they can do that to any profile because in this stat line just boom he just add this new skill to this guy and now he's different from every other guy that has you know that skill so it's i think it's fantastic there's the opportunity of more granularity in the sense of differentiating models, troops, profiles, one from the other. Yeah, 
I'm really happy with that in particular, the denesting of the rules. Just it frees up so many new options. I think it's great. We have to acknowledge that whether or not it's earned, Infinity has the reputation of being cumbersome rules-wise. I tell people that it's the calculus of miniature games. You have to study for it unless you're a savant. If you're not studying the game and you're not playing games, you're not seeing how it's done, you're not going to do well at it. If you're not willing to put that time in, you're not going to get to that veteran level where when you step up to a table, you have a strategy to win. How about the idea of promoting underused profiles and models? Because they are a business. (laughs) I think that this is a thing that, you know, obviously is one of Corvus Belli's goals. Being a business, they want to make money. And I can see how it would be frustrating for them to put out this really cool model. They had this artist, they had this really awesome thing. Like, for instance, the boarding shotgun Ermandino. Nobody ever wanted to use it. I mean, it's a great model, but nobody ever wanted to use it because it didn't have the chain rifle. It wasn't the cheapest one. And now, well, I got 15 slots. That model might look a little attractive with the direct templates, and it's not that much more in the points. And I got to fill in some of those points to make up, you know, that I can't have five more models over on the side. So I think that that's really something cool. And other than that, obviously, they've gone through a lot of the profiles and they've added a lot of different things. One in particular that I've noticed and been fiddling with is the Minutemen for U.S. Ariadna. Their heavy infantry option has generally been very lackluster. And now all of a sudden we've got lieutenants with plus one command tokens and we've got APHMGs with the NCO rule and the ability to cross-link into grunt fire teams. And they just look a lot more attractive to put on the table now. Absolutely. I don't think there's anything more obvious than just seeing them promoting four new tags this month. And everyone's not just looking to buy them because they're beautiful, but they know that they can play them. Some of those tags are beautiful, yeah. Finally, how about this idea of addressing kind of finicky or cumbersome interactions? It seems to me that there are a number of weird corner case scenarios that they just decided, can we streamline this process a little bit more? And part of the goal of N4 was to do that. So one of those weird ones was like they engage and then climbing up a wall and then your guy was stuck on a wall. There's a lot of rules that feel almost like they're trying to create a simulation rather than a game. And getting rid of a lot of that to make the game work better is good. Even if it was a cool rule that you like to use, it's just better to get rid of some of the stuff that creates these like weird situations that stop or slow the game down. I agree 100%. Absolutely. But one thing that has been taken out is falling and falling damage, which takes care of a couple of issues. It takes care of the bog down of the game of figuring out how far did my model fall? What's the strength of the damage hit that it's going to take? Oh, it's going to die. That kind of thing that while not common, it was a thing that every time that I saw falling damage come into play, books were getting dragged out and had to figure out all this stuff to figure out what it was. Yeah, you're scratching your head going, how does this interaction work? Yeah. So we just take it away. A lot of it is, especially for like the jumping and falling damage, was the, I'm not going to shoot your remote so your engineer can't fix that remote. Well, okay, I'm going to jump the remote off a building then. It clears that interaction right off the table, which love or hate that. Take over someone's tag, climb it up a six inch building and then leap off and watch their tag die. Uh, You know, that happened. That's a negative play experience. Yeah, it is. It's dumb and it doesn't make sense. And yeah, I, like I said, anything that, you know, maybe removes some of the simulation, but puts it more in favor of fast, tight gameplay, I'm a fan of. I think this has been a good discussion, guys. So let's move to closing comments. But before we do that and get to our final thoughts, 
I want to just say to our community, if you want to support the show, obviously subscribe on all our standard podcast feeds, follow us on all the social media platforms, and join our Patreon, where we're going to have some interesting levels of support and engagement planned for our patrons. We would love to do some innovative stuff with that and take some creative approaches to how we can build the community through that. And obviously, we just need the support. If you like what you're hearing, if you want more of Metachemistry, then we really encourage you to do those three things. But as we transition to our closing comments, it's Ian, Nathan, any final thoughts? I think N4 came out at a really unfortunate time in the world. I think that when people get back on the table, this is the best edition of Infinity that they've ever put out. It's the easiest to get into. It's the easiest to wrap your head around. It's still full of that tactical depth that you want. It's a fantastic game and now may not be the best time ever to join it, but this is the best set of rules ever to get in on. And I'm hoping that once gaming opens up again, that a lot of the people that were new people that were getting into the game towards the tail end of N3 and were really getting excited for N4 that, you know, they've dropped by the wayside. I'm hoping that they come right back in and once they see how accessible this edition is and it's going to be so fantastic going forward, rebuilding the communities and the playgroups and getting tournaments going again. And I think everything in this edition is going to be very geared towards having that be the best and smoothest experience that we've ever had with this game in a high-level competitive setting. For me, I'm going to say that I'm just thankful that this podcast is back. There's been years, been years where I've... Man, you guys have no idea, no idea how many messages I get about this all the time. This and Hexmill, I just get blown up every week with. Anytime it would come up, I would message Dexter and Nate, when are we getting the podcast back? Let's get this thing going. And in large part because I kind of grew up as a player through listening to this podcast. Now, I wanted the benefit of listening to it, not necessarily being a part of it, but if it takes me being a part of it, I'm happy to do that just to have this back in the meta. So I'm excited about that as well. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into our first episode. This has been Andrew. Ian. And this is Nathan. And that's the meta.